Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Hello and welcome, I'm K.A. This week's Rad Show has been recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Wadjuk Noongar, or better known as Perth for 3CR Melbourne, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. This week you'll hear the recordings taken from the excellent recent webinar, South Australia Too Good to Waste, and hear from Jason Bilney, Chairperson of the Bungalow Determination Aboriginal Corporation, Ardnyamatna woman Vivian McKenzie, and Peter Woolford, who's a farmer and grain producer in Kimber, South Australia. The Senate will soon vote on new laws that would make South Australian regional town of Kimber Australia's national dumping and long-term storage site for radioactive waste. The Bungalow people are the native title holders of the Kimber region and have consistently opposed the Federal Waste Plan in public statements, in media, in political representation and submissions to the government process and the Senate inquiry. Howdy, my name's uh, Jason Bilney and I'm the chairperson of uh, Bungalow. I'm a proud Bungalow man and also on my grandmother's side I'm Bungalow as well as Wurungu and my grandfather's side also Wurungu and Gugura and the nuclear waste affects us all as all Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people. On my grandfather's side, we suffered a tremendous loss from not just the waste but from nuclear because I was a part of the um, atomic bombs which was set off in Maralingas. You know, what fought, fight that they didn't have back then and fought through on Maralinga. Now on my grandmother's side, we are fighting for the same cause but to bury nuclear waste in our country. The Bungalow people are, you know, very disrespectful to the Bungalow people, to my past and present elders. It was never part of the process from the start. We had a meeting with the, back then it was Minister Canavan, which was only one meeting, and we wanted to vote and have a say. And he would not include us in the Kimber vote with the government, so we had our own vote, and he assured us that we should, that he would put both the votes together. When the votes were done, he did not put our votes, put our votes together. So if I would have put, Bungalow voted unanimously, no. And if he would have put the Bungalow and the Kimber votes together, it would have been 43.7% that would have said yes and they never would have got it. So we've been, you know, we've marked the, um, it was on the 53-year anniversary of the referendum. What's that say to all Indigenous people, not just us as Bungalow? We're still classed as fauna, the second-class citizens. And the Bungalow maintained that they have been, there have been numerous defects in the government's overall selection process for the nuclear waste dump. There was no appropriate consultation or broad consultation with the Bungalow people, not just Bungalow people, as in all people, it's divided Kimber as well. We asked for heritage, heritage surveys to be done. We did not have, we did not do any, they would not let us do any heritage surveys, and, was, and we could have done it with the government, and we were de- denied the right to vote in the Kimber ballot, even though we asked, repeatedly asked to be involved, and that's where we had our separate vote. The Joint Parliamentary Committee on Human Rights has determined that the process, the proposed bill, maybe violate, violates bungalow human rights. This is a bipartisan committee of members of parliament, including the Liberal mem- members. The government is now seeking to remove our rights to judiciary, to, for judicial review and remove all judicial review. The oversight of the process by sidestepping us as traditional owners and all Indigenous, all traditional owners anywhere in Australia could happen. The existing process is trying to legislate at the location where Minister Catavan did not, he stepped down and did not give his reasons why he picked Napperby. 
the only reason for Schedule 1 of this new bill that they are pushing through Parliament is to remove the legal rights to seek judicial review. The existing Nuclear Waste Management Dump Act allows us to seek judicial review, where the bill removes the right by legislating the location. The bungalow have never received the right to vote in the government-run ballot with Kimber, like I said before. They've taken our rights away and did not let us vote and be a part of it, only because it was was not rateable. And that was their little, like the judge said, they should have kept the gate open. They made hurdles to us, so they made it that you had to be rateable property. And we, and we are not rateable property, but we are the traditional owners of that area. And the judicial oversight of the executive committee action is fundamental to our rights as all Australians and traditional people. And that the administration process under the Nuclear Waste Dump Act should be fully amendable to judicial review where the government's trying to take that judicial review out. And the same way any executive, any organisation runs, it's our right as Australians to have that judiciary right and to review the government's decision is very disrespectful to all people of Australia. You know, they've made a 20k exclusion zone around Kimber where it, it doesn't just involve us as traditional owners, it involves the rest of South Australia, let alone Australia. And they say it's medical, it's not medical. It goes overseas, gets deactivated, whatever you call it. It comes back highly, highly radioactive. When it comes back to Australia, they change. They change the stamps that's on it and make it low level. And where, where they want to build it is on a part of a big dreaming, on a part of a storyline. You can build the most thickest concrete. You can have the most thickest steel. It's an earthquake area that has relatively earthquakes all the time. All you need is one earthquake. It gets back in, into our waterways, destroys our stories. It destroys the rest of our peninsula. And we as Bangla people, we do not want the nuclear waste. And we will fight it to the end. It is my right. It is our people's right to keep fighting for our old people that fought for us. It took us 21 years to win our native title let alone mark the 53-year anniversary of the referendum. So it is our duty to continue that fight for our people. You're listening to 3CR Melbourne. I'm KA. And on today's Radioactive show, we're listening to the recordings from the recent South Australia Too Good to Waste webinar. Next up, we'll hear from Ardnamatna woman Vivian McKenzie, who, along with her sister and community, played a leading role in the successful fight against the radioactive waste dump at Wallabadina Station in the Flinders Ranges. On my dad's side, in the Flinders Ranges. And I would just like to acknowledge that I am speaking tonight from the Ghana people's land in Adelaide, in South Australia. And um, one of the things that I would like to say tonight is that... Um, what is happening at this very moment in the town of Kimber is very sad. It's because we, as the um, traditional owners of the Flinders Ranges, we had to put up with this from the, from the government of what was happening there. And the stress and trauma that we went through, with family members and that, and, and that it, it, it ripped the family apart. It absolutely ripped us apart of what we're doing. During that time... Um, we lost a nephew, and then only three months later, my sister, Heather, <clears throat> one, of the girl, one of the sisters that was with me that fought this waste, um, she lost her only son. And they did not show any, any sympathy or anything towards her or towards our family. 
and it's, it was culturally inappropriate what they did, that we had to put up with this. And it got, they, uh, they ramped it up when they knew that we were at our lowest peak. But we stood firm and, and we believed in ourselves. And one of the mottos that I used was never give up. And we didn't give up because where we sit today is we, we, beat the, we beat that waste up in the Flinders Ranges. But today we stand with the people of Kimber. And I'd just like to say that at this very moment, there's a, a, a rallies that are going around Australia. And, and I support that with the uh, Black Lives Matters. The waste dump does not discriminate against anyone. It does not discriminate against anyone. So we should be all standing together as one and saying that in South Australia, all lives matter. And it's not only going to affect South Australia, it's going to affect the whole of Australia. Because if it goes ahead at um, Kimber, they're going to be transporting it by sea, by land, and we know that ships sink and trucks crash, trains derail. So we look at the things that are going to happen there. Are we going to allow this for our uh, generations to come or are we going to stand as one and, and fight against this and tell the government we do not want this? And one of the things that should be done there in Kimber now <coughs> You say, I understand they're speaking with the, um, the Bangalore people. They also so should be speaking with the Wirrungu and the Nauru people. And they should be speaking to, to still speaking to the, the groups of, um, in, in South Australia because it's going to affect all of us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go through Aboriginal land anyhow. So they've got to be, they'll have to talk to everybody. That's happening. It's coming right from New South Wales, from Lucasites right through. So uh, that's what I'm saying. But I stand stand by the people of, of Kimber. I support them in their fight against this uh, waste dump. That's and I call it a waste dump. And 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 and, and all the lies that that goes through by the department saying it's hospital waste. It's not. And they only t want to tell the people what they want to tell the people. But people in Kimber, honestly and truly, never, never, never give up. You know, you've got, a, you've got all of us here. We should all stand as one as South Australians. And we should all stand as one people in this country of what is happening. I know there's people that support this, but they haven't been given the correct information. And I'll, I'll, I'll stand and I'll, sta I'll stand until I can't speak anymore against a waste dump because it's all it is a waste dump it's poison it's not good it's not good for the land it's not good for the people it's not good for the environment you know if we're going to allow this to happen we're letting this happen for our generations to come what are we going to tell you know what are we going to tell our families and one of the places where they're looking to do it over there in kimber that's where all our wheat comes from you know and they're trying to say that it's not. It's not going to. It's not going to harm. It's going to bring in jobs. Well, let me tell you something. What jobs is it going to bring in? How many jobs have they promised over there? They promised 45 in the Flinders Ranges, and when we questioned them on that about that, the, you've got to be a, a rocket scientist to to be there to do that. It's not. It's not going to be. It's not going to create employment. It's not going to create anything. All it's going to create is problems and uh, disruptions in family lives and friendships and that. 
So everybody really, really wake up because I tell you what, the roses aren't smelling too good at the moment. If we, we don't do anything because at this very moment, the department and that and the government have got us at our most vulnerable time. They've got us when this COVID-19 is on us. Now, we should not give up. We should still, still stand together. And I thank you lot for inviting me to, to speak on this because it's no good thing. It's very mentally, emotionally draining. Mentally, emotionally, it physically drains you. We come from this land and then when we, when we go, that's where we go back to. So one of the things that I would really, really push for and stand by the, 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 the traditional owners of that area is to push for a heritage assessment so that they can hear the stories. Everybody's got the stories. Our storylines link into each other. And what we can do is we can share that with each other. And, um, and I tell you what, that is one of the greatest weapons you can have is when you know your stories that's in that land, they're not going to beat you because that is, how, that is what we're educated on. That's a part of our education. That is our culture. That is our identity. And never give up. Never, ever, ever, because this land is our mother and we stand. And this land, will, if you look after the land, the land will look after you. And that was my mother's saying that you care for this land and the land will care for you. Thank you. The next speaker is Peter Wolford, who's a farmer and grain producer who played a leading role in the local community campaign against the waste facility from the very beginning. Peter's from the community group No Radioactive Waste on Agricultural Land in Kimber, and they've been pushing the importance of agricultural land and the process that has not been fair. Firstly, I want to acknowledge our Bungala friends and the, and the land that I'm actually zooming in from today where I farm. I just want to comment on what Jason mentioned. Um, Certainly one of the terrible things about this process that we've been involved in and what we've found is that it's quite clear that if you have a differing view to the government, regardless of what that is, what issue you raise, there is no respect shown to you whatsoever. It's been quite remarkable, really. And and such it's been such a long five years. There's no question of that. And uh, the process that we've been involved in is certainly all-consuming and has certainly taken its toll. And I'll probably just give a bit of background of who I am. Um, I farm here in the Kimber area, in the Buckaboo district, along with my brother and our families, and we're uh, third and fourth generation farmers. I'm also uh, on the Kimber Consultative Committee that uh, liaises with the government department, and I'm the chairman of the No Radioactive Waste on Agricultural Land in Kimber or South Australia, which is quite a mouthful. But our group, our group is over 400 members of mainly local and, and people from over the EP. And we've certainly consistently maintained that the federal government has a responsibility in finding the best location. And that certainly is not on productive farming land in Kimber. There's been continually strong opposition here for the last five years. That has not changed um, in, that, in that manner at all. Um, we've always maintained a question about our clean and green reputation. Being farmers, on, on a location which is export orientated, uh, we just can't understand why you'd expose uh, any of our agricultural export business to any risk at all to the to the perception and stigma attached to something like this, to a nuclear waste dump. Uh, the mind boggles. And Air um, Peninsula, due to its location, has a great ability to maintain our reputation because of our, where we're situated with water on either side. 
And I'll probably just give you a bit of history of where we're at and what's happened. Uh, certainly for us, it started in 2015 where there was two sites were accepted into the process and we were put through a 120-day consultation period and obviously we were hounded by the department with a lot of information and things like that. And it's quite interesting, we tried to, and over the five years, we've tried to have debates where you have uh, professionals from both sides at that debate in our Kimber town, but the department have uh, stopped that. So apart from a webinar that happened out of Kimber, there's been nothing uh, in a room together, which is quite remarkable. In April of 2016, uh, Minister Frydenberg uh, took Kimber out of the process uh, for that consultation period. And he certainly cited because of the division the process had caused within our community and it lacked broad community support. Now, that percentage was 51% in favour at that time, back in 2015, 16. Uh, in March 2017, Minister Canavan, and he's Minister number five that we've had, um, except the two more sites from Kimber. This was after a meeting that was held in October um, 2016, instigated by the Federal Member for Grey, who I'm sure everyone is aware of lives or comes from this community, who's actually a, a neighbour of mine and my brother's here at Buckleboo. Along with he and the, the Mayor of the town and a few councillors and a few pro-dumpers, they met with Minister Canavan and he um, notified us that he was going to accept those two nominations and, and his reason being there had been a significant change in sentiment. So with that, back come the department again for a, a further three or four days just to uh, evaluate things again and it proved that it was 56% of support for it. So it actually only went up 5%, but that was a reason enough for him to, to accept it. Kimber was then obviously put through another 90 days of consultation. And so by this time, I can only, you know, really say to you all the impact this has had on people was quite dramatic, uh, but we still had to persevere with it. And at the end of this 90-day consultation, the first ballot was going to be held, and this was to go into Phase 2. And the big carrot hanging out the front of Phase 2 was that a community would get $2 million for every year they were in that Phase 2. So, um, obviously, money, as we know, talks. The ballot was held in June 2017 with 56.7% in support and 42% opposed. But uh, that was out of an eligible 793 voters. So, really, it was only 49% support. And it was only an increase of only less than 1%, actually, uh, from when they first arrived. From there, Minister Canavan put Kimber through to Phase 2. And then, of course, a lot of us certainly knew by then, with all the meetings we've had and discussions with the department, we knew damn well that Kimber had always been earmarked for the facilities, no doubt about that, because whatever we raised, they certainly weren't listening to anything we were saying. Obviously, you know, we now know uh, the second ballot went ahead in August, uh, come back with a 61.5% uh, in favour and 39% of vote opposed and out of 824 people. Obviously, through that, you know, uh, and in the role I have in the consultative committee, along with some others, you know, it's pretty one loaded one side there for the pros, but we certainly wanted to have a 50k radius around that site um, because we felt that there was there's a lot more people that live closer to the site that are in the neighbouring communities than what there is in the, from the Kimber Township. Minister Canavan and the Mayor and some of the pro-dumpers all were clear that everyone would get the say with a submission and, um, and that they'd all get a, get a say, which uh, we said, well, 
that's fine, but as long as I do. And I just want to, just would like to mention a few things now. Once Minister Canavan named Nepandi as a site in February, the Minister Canavan at the time said there was, there was broad committee supporting Kimber community whilst he has never explained what that actually is or what the threshold was at met prior to the ballot. We know results show that there is a continued strong opposition with nearly 40% remaining opposed. Previously, Minister Frydenberg removed the two sites from Kimber with the same amount of opposition. But I think the important point here, and this is where it was mentioned in previous speakers about those outside of Kimber, Canavan stated publicly at a meeting in Kimber and at a meeting with us at the consultation committee that those locals that live outside of Kimber that didn't get a vote and are locals to the town and would get their say with a submission and, they would, and he and the department would categorise those submissions by firstly those living outside the district and secondly neighbouring communities. Clearly this did not happen and those submissions were just public record. The department come along to Kimber and said that the minister read all the submissions and took it into account Well, what we found when they presented it, that it was 2,789 submissions from outside of Kimber area and 94.5% were opposed and 28 were in favour. So the minister obviously ignored and the department chose not to categorise anything and take any of that weighting into account. So obviously very frustrating for everybody and certainly for those people that live close by who we are fighting for as well. Um, it's very disappointing. I just want to mention a few other issues that are local that are very important to us and we've raised with senators and with all the uh, letter writing we've been doing. And it's quite clear. Why does this, just, I'll just list a few off so people can hear, hear our views here. Why does the federal government want to put this facility on agricultural land in Kimber when productive cropping land makes up only 4.5% of the state's mass? Why did only 824 people get an opportunity to vote on a national issue, yet those within a 50k radius of the sites but outside the Kimber District Council boundary have not had their views recorded as local community sentiment? And when you bring it back to figures, it's 0.005% of this state is deciding what's going to happen in this state, which is quite a remarkable thing. And we've always maintained it's certainly bigger than Kimber, this facility. How can any ballot of a... How could a ballot of only Kimber residents and ratepayers be ballot of informed consent without any detailed business, case or independent risk analysis on the, against the agricultural industry? And it's interesting. We have asked the local council for that. They say it's not their process. We've sent... Two letters or a copy of a letter to the Prime Minister about that with no response. So it is disappointing. Fourthly, why does the Federal Government take the right approach to find the final deep burial site for the low intermediate level waste opposed to the storage above ground, which is not consistent with the world's best practice? It doesn't make sense to double handle this waste and travel 1,700 kilometres across country. We believe it's fiscal responsibility and leadership that there should be one site, one cost, if that is to be. I guess I, there's been so many issues that have raised and probably one that Jason mentioned, but the neighbours, the neighbours that are close by to this site have really had no respect shown to them and their views, regardless of what it is, they haven't been heard. Um, all they're concerned about as, as far as the department is those that share a fence line um, so if you live across the road, you're not deemed as an immediate neighbour, which is absolute rubbish in a community such as a farming district. Also, the, the nuclear medicine issue, it's quite interesting. We had Audi Patterson from some Anstow here at a, a big meeting in the town hall. I asked him a question about the increased product production of nuclear medicine and, and, and the fact that we're all getting hit over the head about nuclear medicine, which, you know, that we 
maybe stopping that, which is absolute rubbish. But he told us that at 300 people in that room that less than 10% of production at ANSO is used within Australia. So it was quite a, a remarkable thing. I'd just like to just like to fill in a bit on the impact it's had on people. I think that's very important. Obviously, the process has been terribly flawed and very divisive. We've had people affected greatly and there's deep scars in our community now. I mean, we used to be a very tight-knit community, but that's not the case anymore and that's very disappointing. And, and it's quite clear that the department doesn't care about Kim, but they don't care about the people in here and what happens to them. There's no doubt about that. And, um, and that's probably the big point I want to make to everybody, that the people in this have been forgotten about. And it's, it's, it's disgusting, really. Um, we've had lost people from our town. They've already left. Um, there's people that don't like... They find it very difficult to go into the t- local town to, to even do uh, business now. And that's, that's terribly sad. But if you really want to know what intimidation is, it's quite clear. You be, get between money and people who want it, and that's where this process has put us people that have said no. And it's very hard because you get the finger pointed at you a lot and uh, accused of all sorts of things when all we've done is said no. I guess um, we as a group and people here, will, we're not phased on any abuse or any thing the department wants to throw at us. We've told them they'll need to buy a big bulldozer if they want to run over us because we're not going away. I had a question asked to me by a radio journalist here not that long ago before we had a big rally in Kimber. And he asked me at the time, he said, what are you going to say if in 10 years' time the facility's built and nothing bad has happened? And, of course, my response to that is, what if something does? Because you can't rewind it. And for me, for me as a family uh, person and, and part of a community that I've loved and grown up in, all we're doing is standing up for our beliefs, standing up for our families and protecting what we have. It's quite simple. Everyone would do that. This issue is a national issue and is bigger than Kimber and people outside of Kimber have every right to have a say and to be involved. And I'm reminded of Keith Pitt's, Keith Pitt's comments um, and this is an important one. He continued to come out on his Facebook with a big PR exercise. The intermediate level waste will only be temporarily stored at the dump for several decades. And how temporary is that? That's ridiculous. And if you want a dose of reality, it will be our kids' kids or their kids will have to deal with this issue. Now, if that's not kicking the can down the road, I don't know what is. If this legislation is passed, as it currently is, is opening up a Pandora's box. There's no question of that. And I think for all of us, you know, we, we always... We should always sit and look back in the past and see what we can do better and fix things as we go forward. We can't fix what happened, but we can fix and make things better going forward. And for me, how the government is trying to push this legislation through in its current form to take away judicial review, to take away people's rights, I think is an absolute insult to this country. I really do believe that. And... The, the most annoying thing for me and so many of us here in this small community that are standing up to say no, we're standing up, a, up against a big, a big body such as the federal government that's got a lot of money and they're trying to control us all the way through. So I think I'll leave it there. Um, we're not going away, but um, I just want to say to Jason and everybody else, you know, we're fighting hard and we respect them greatly and we'll fight with them, stand with them. Uh, to make this go away because it has been such a disgraceful process to be in. So thanks a lot. And that's all we have time for on today's Radioactive Show. 
Thanks to Jason, Vivian and Peter for sharing their strong stories. These people do not need the extra stress in their lives, especially during these challenging times, for the federal government to push ahead with a planned federal radioactive waste dump. The Radioactive Show was produced with the support of the Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Campaign on the stolen lands of the Ghana people for 3CR. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for more news, views on nuclear peace and energy issues.